Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hi friends, my name is Eric Arnault, and this is part two of the Nerdlogs Presents Your Stories November podcast, featuring the theme of Other Options. This time out, we've got stories from wonderful people like Chris Geiger, Sawyer Heppies, Bennett Botero, Mike Chuck Bretzliff, and Claire Friedman, as well as the usual music from Claire, Dwight Hassler, and myself. It's almost the end of the year, which means it's time for another Your Stories End of the Year compilation. So, dear listeners, here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, if any stories, songs, or whatever from the last year of this podcast have really stuck with you, please let us know what they are and why that is. Uh, you can do that on our Facebook page, you can do that on the podcast website in the comments section, or you can email us at yourstories@nerdologues.com. Now, I want to stress this is not a contest. Uh, it's just us looking to remind people of some really powerful stuff and maybe give new people something cool to listen to, like a, a quick primer. And there's been a lot of great stories in the past year, so please share your favorites with us. Uh, any material from last year's December episode, which was Annual Part 1, through this episode you're listening to now is eligible, including any of the bonus content we've released. So at the end of the year, we'll put together an episode or two based on your choices. So if you have opinions, again, please share them. Uh, I also want to remind everyone that Your Stories is but one podcast in the Nerdalogs family, and one of our other great shows, the Nerdalogcast, is doing its first live recording this Sunday, December 1st, 7pm at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. If you haven't heard this show yet, it's like a mix between the Giant Bombcast and Comedy Bang Bang, but with the Nerdalogs twist. Uh, we'll also have the amazing band The Shock Tees performing at the show. You don't want to miss them. This is totally free to attend, so if you're looking for a great way to wind down your Thanksgiving week, this should fit the bill nicely. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Thanks so much for sticking with our show this long. Great things are coming, and great things have been. Alright guys, take care. See you soon. So okay. when we were first rehearsing... I was going to tell this story, too. Oh, yeah? You yeah. want to tell it, then? Oh, okay. I can tell it. Well, I don't know if we're going to tell the same story, so you talk first. And That's then... true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. This guy's got it. Uh, yeah, when uh, we first started uh, messing around doing some, some music together, uh, Eric basically asked me to put together some songs that I wanted to sing, and I think this is the last one that we've never performed. Um, no, because you had a really long list. But <laughs> no, but like of the ones that we actually practice together. That's probably true. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, this was one that I that I brought in that I wanted to do. That's that's true. My story was that kind of, uh-huh. and also that when Claire brought this to us, I was like, wow, really? Like that's an interesting choice because she wanted to sing it, and then I heard it, and I'm like, fuck yeah, this is a side of Claire that we never get to see. So. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready. Get ready, y'all. Uh, the band that this fellow left was, uh, what, Generation X, I believe? Was that their name? There's some punk act. Some um, punk act band. That was their song. Uh, here we go. The 
gets into my door Last night a little angel came popping on the floor She said, come on baby, I got a license for love And if it expires, pray hell from above Because in the midnight hour she cried First from the Nerdalogs, Chris Geiger. Thank you for the encouragement, Claire. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> there. Uh, so normally I write something, uh, and tonight 
I did not, uh, much to all of your collective chagrin. Uh, this is a bit more, ex, you know, off the top of my head. I was going to say whatever the fancy word is for that, but I can't even think of that. Um, but I felt in the intermission, I was like, you know what, I have to, I have to talk for myself. Uh, over the past year, I have had probably a one of the greatest existential crises you could have <laughs> of just wondering what the fuck you're doing. And it's that same, same thing that everyone has whenever they are doing anything that's important to them. Um, and my birthday's in two days. Thank you. <laughs> and so... As birthdays come, you start to think about your past year, you know, uh, and I, th- I thought about my past year a lot this year, so I thought I would end it now. Um, and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> sorry, this is why you write things down. Uh, what that means is, is that, uh, so... When we think of the phrase other options, we have, uh, we have those moments in life where we look at our different paths that we could go down. And we're gonna, we talk about that in Neurologues all the time because of the past show and our upcoming show. And I can think of three specific moments in my life where I made the choice to end up here, where I am right now with all of you lovely people in this lovely space. And the first of it was when I went decided on college. Uh, I, and I'm sure a lot of you have had that decision. Um, my decision was between the University of Alabama to do something and uh, University of Boston to do graphic design. And I applied for University of Boston. My brother was living in Boston. He was going to Harvard. So I was like, I'll just live with him. And I was really big into doing graphic design. And I decided not to do that because it would be too much money and it was too far from home. So I decided to go to the University of Alabama. <laughs> which, roll tide, roll tide, uh, roll tide, uh, which is great. Uh, but then it also is one of those first moments where if I had made that decision, would we be here? Right? Um, would what's happening happen? Would you have those moments where you're like, what, how would every, how would, your life changed, and then how would you affect other people, and how would they make different decisions, and then you go down that huge rabbit hole of like crazy possibilities, right? And the second one was in my freshman year of college. I took I was a I was a journalism major when I first started, and then I took a theater class, and I did theater in high school. And when I took that theater class, I fell in love again with theater, and became a theater minor, and then became a theater major. And I remember calling my mom, leaving the theater department, going like, I'm going to do this. And thinking that she was going to yell at me or something, or that my dad was going to get on the phone and tell me that I was dumb. Uh, which is not something he's known to do, but it's just something that I thought he might do. <laughs> uh, and he didn't, and they didn't, and they were very supportive. And I was like, I'm going to be an actor. And obviously I don't consider myself an actor anymore, but I am very much involved in theater. And it was one of those pivotal moments, right? If I hadn't decided to do that, then would we be here? Would this be happening? And the third one was when I first moved to Chicago, I was working at an ice cream store called Eye Cream in Wicker Park. And I was manager of it. Uh, 
as, as, uh, as Scott Ackerman would say, iPad, I cream, I don't know anymore. <laughs> uh, and I, w- and I got hired as a dishwasher and then quickly got promoted to a manager or supervisor because uh, everyone else that worked there was 16. I was 22. <laughs> and they were like, you look responsible. <laughs> uh, and so I was closing the store one night, and it was about 2 in the morning. And everyone on the street was about my age or younger and drunk and having a great time and all had a lot of money because they were drinking in Wicker Park and hanging out and living there. And... I remember standing out behind the store after it was closed in an alleyway, smoking a cigarette, smelling of sugar and syrup, you know, with hearing people having a good time on the other side of the building and wondering, what the fuck am I doing? And I thought about just, you know what, fuck it. Throw in the towel and go home. And I decided not to. I decided to keep going with it. And... Since that decision, and since the decision before that, and since the decision before that, you know, we've brought together a great pe- group of people, and, we've brought, and I get to produce for the space that we're in right now. And in the past year, I've thought a lot about what, if that was worth it. And I struggled with that a lot. Because while everyone here, while a lot of people in this room are my friends, we're all just work. And I remember when I first moved here, my mom asked, why are you doing it? What are you going to do? And I literally said to her, I'm moving to Chicago to find some cool people to make art with. That's what I said. (laughs) And I have. And you guys are making art when you stand up here. And that is worth it. And so when I think about turning 28 in two days, it was worth it. And it's been worth it. And thank you guys for making it worth it. So when you have those decisions... I can't see you, but Yeti Press guy. (laughs) Hey, man. When you have those decisions, and they're hard, remember, we all have that, and it's worth it. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. I'm no branding expert, but I think eye cream should look real hard at the name of their store. (laughs) Real hard. No offense, eye cream. Eye cream, you cream, we all cream for eye cream. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Coming up next, a frequent tr- contributor and good friend on the Nerd Logs, Sir Heppy. Uh, I always appreciate an entrance that's basically a semen joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, really no, just... there's no basically about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the guy that doesn't get it, I suppose. <laughs> oh, um, no, not again. Uh, yeah, <laughs> And we're all caught up. Um, uh, Guys, I had a concussion a little while ago, so if I do anything tapioca, let me know. Um, I was working on that bit all week, and I'm like, don't fuck it up. 
because it's gold. Um, but it's funny uh, that Geiger's uh, isn't too far off uh, from mine in some uh, senses because a little while ago um, I felt like I was going through some existential stuff. I feel like as an actor or an artist of any kind, you're just constantly going through these existential der- journeys, wondering what you're doing, uh, how you're going to eat tonight, uh, what you know, where you're going to be, what's going on, you know. Why am I still single? All of these things. Um, except for those that aren't single. And fuck you guys. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, uh, about, I think, a month ago now at this point, uh, I was hit by a car uh, walking um, uh, along um, Broadway over to the Wilson area. Um, and um, I remember about... Within that 48-hour period, I was going through all these things. It was just like, oh, my job, it's a great job, but it's boring. I hate this. I'm not acting. I'm not going out auditioning. I was fighting with my parents. All of these things. Uh, Next thing I knew, um, I woke up in the emergency room. Uh, The last thing I remember uh, was leaving my apartment and saying to my roommate, hey, I got to run out. I will be back later. I was not back later. Um, I was actually going to... Meet a friend to reserve a space for a fundraiser. Uh, keep your calendars open for November 16th, Other World Theaters, doing a fundraiser. Shameless plug. Um, but uh, I, I never made it there. And what made things even worse was around that time, my phone was completely on the fritz. It was just constantly like turning itself off and on. Sometimes it just wouldn't even turn on, so I just didn't even bring it with me. Um, and so my roommate hadn't heard from me for hours. Uh, the person I was going to meet at the space thought I had flaked. And as a person who, like, texts every step of the way of where I am because I hate being late for things, that drove me nuts uh, that I had no power to communicate this. I live my life in a sense, despite its, like, messiness. I try to be a little bit of a control freak. Like, I hate having things that are out of my power. I sit there and dwell about things that I can't change or fix. And this might have been the worst case of that for me because... I didn't have any consciousness of it. The closest I had was it felt like I was in a night, having a nightmare in the ER. Like I remember kicking and screaming and fighting all these people and I woke up and I was like, oh, that's why that dream seemed so freaking real. And this was like a worst case scenario for me because that's probably like one of the epitome of not being able to do anything. Like I have no memory. I can't even sit here and regret any parts of the decisions I made. You know, I don't even know if I was jaywalking or what happened. If I was doing something completely stupid, I don't even know if it is my fault. And even though people say, "Sure, the person hit you," but we've all been driving a car where someone darts out in front of you and you have no time to react. So it could solely lie with me. I don't know. But it's going to sound a little cliche, but when that week going back, as much as it sucked, the headaches, all the stuff, the baggage that came with it, I saw how many people that I am lucky to have in my life. How many wonderful, beautiful, caring people. The Nerdalogue sent me flowers. Eric Garneau bought me a bunch of comic books. I had some of my closest friends were waiting in the emergency room, just waiting to hear something. And the nurses were doing a very poorly, poor job of conveying the fact mm-hmm. that I was alive. Uh, I, if anyone in here is a nurse or knows anyone that has any affiliation that makes that call, when you call their parents, first thing you say is they're alive. You don't beat around the fucking bush. Um, but my parents drove for like 12 hours overnight just to come out here and help take care of me and get everything in order. 
And I'll tell you the one thing that really, really was made it all just wonderful was the hugs afterwards have never felt better. And I mean that with the utmost sincerity. I've gotten some of the best hugs from people the first time I saw them afterwards. And it felt nice. I kind of got up here thinking that this is about not having any other options. That when you're out of options, nothing you can do, nothing you can find. And I've always sat there and believed that there is another option. And this is the one time I think that having no option, the only choice to make, is a good thing. Because all those people that care about me and that were here, that's the reason I have to keep doing it. Because if I just give up because of things, what, what would that mean that these people coming around and those hugs would mean absolutely nothing? So... Take it as it is. I know not every, I'm not saying everyone should go get hit by a car. Um, but but even sometimes, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, oh, I, I, that's between you and whoever that is. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but sometimes the only option is to keep pushing forward, to do the things that you enjoy doing. Like Chris Geiger said, even if it doesn't seem like it's there and it doesn't seem like it's the the most logical choice. It's what you got to do. I once again can't stress enough how good it is to see you guys and to be up here right now because I still consider myself very lucky, all things considered. So thank you guys. Yeah, that was scary, dude. Uh, we're all we're all psyched that you're doing well, obviously. No tapioca shit going on during yeah. that monologue. <laughs> So coming up next, we have a newcomer to your story, Mr. I wrote your name down and then I fucking wrote so shittily that I can't read my own writing. Bennett Botero? I didn't know I was going to do this, so this is going to be a kind of journey for the two of us, me and all of you. (laughs) Uh... Like most 20-something-year-olds, my Saturday night last night started pretty early and ended pretty late. Uh, We started by watching the BET Music Awards, uh, (laughs) like you all did, Uh, hosted by Snoop Dogg Lionzilla, Uh, played a drinking game, we drank every time Kevin Hart said something that was supposed to be funny. Uh, we drank every time there was a surprise guest rapper, and we drank, uh, uh, we finished whatever we were drinking if somebody from, uh, that we, that, like, hadn't been on TV in, like, five years had shown up, so when Nelly did, we all had to finish. <laughs> uh, and we drank every time, uh, Snoop Dogg Lionzilla said anything about pot, so it was a pretty good start. Uh, and by the time we went to the first bar, uh, I was already feeling pretty good. Uh, so inevitably, we wake up hungover, and uh, on our way home last night, we'd stopped by the local diner we'd never gone to, because we'd just moved to this new place in, like, June, and decided, let's go here for brunch tomorrow, because nothing says hungover Sunday morning like brunch, am I right? <laughs> uh, one of my roommates didn't go, but uh, me and the roommate that I do a lot of my uh, kind of creative work at home went, and we were talking about a couple of writing projects we're doing, uh, and by doing, I mean fucking around with... <laughs> Uh, and eventually we just wanted to do something lighthearted, so we started talking about, uh, the 90s. It's a great time. If you've never been there, you should go. Um, 
<laughs> we talked about uh, we talked about a couple things, but we mainly talked about cartoons, the good ones, Angry Beavers, Cat Dog, Hey Arnold, Rugrats. Uh, and it was a lovely talk until the Rugrats came up, and my roommate said something that totally took me out of the spirit. Uh, he said, you know what, though? You know what? When he got older, I bet Tommy fucked Susie. <laughs> and I went, oh, dude. That's Rugrats, man. Oh, come on, Tommy fucked Susie. He fucked Kimmy. <laughs> Other options. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, Kimmy was his best friend's sister, and they, they all hung out, but she was the adventurous one who joined, like, halfway through. I'm not saying it happened immediately. What I am saying is, first year back from college, Chucky hadn't been home yet, and it was just Kimmy and Tommy, and they were talking for a bit. They fucked. <laughs> Uh, I bet, I bet Chucky came back from college, though, looking totally awesome. I bet, like, I bet senior year he got his braces off, and then he got a little more confidence, came back from college, and even Angelica was like, damn, Chucky. <laughs> At least that's what I want to believe, because we all empathize with Chucky, every person in here. <laughs> it's fun hearing people talk about other options, uh, mainly career-wise tonight, uh, because there I've only been two things my entire life. A child and insane. <laughs> and I honestly mean that. Uh, I watch cartoons religiously every day. It's how uh, I actually, uh, my, it works really well in my job right now. I've got a huge amount of credit with the elementary school kids I teach chess to when I can bring up uh, cartoons that they watch too. <laughs> I'm like, Adventure Time, man, that's the shit. You get 10 t- chess points. You like Ninjago? I'm taking away five points. That's a terrible show. <laughs> Um, and I'm insane because, uh, ever since I can remember, I've had an ongoing relationship with daydreams, more so than most people do. I feel like I am almost consistently living two separate lives, uh, this one and the much more awesome one, uh, wherever I happen to be that day. Uh, earlier today, it was a futuristic world with a singularity had already happened. Uh, that's just me. He's been there. Uh, and I never realized how important these worlds were to me uh, until a couple of months ago when I met the first girl that I actually started to share them with. Uh, and it shocked me how much of a void I'd felt, and it made a couple other relationships that I'd had seem a lot more clear that even though they, even though they are stupid worlds, fake worlds, these things we do, these these dreams we we come up with as creative people, whether they're the stories we're trying to illustrate or the jokes we're trying to tell, or even the the little cartoon worlds that we like to be in, uh, no matter how silly they may seem to somebody else, they're very very real to us, uh, and it's important to share those with the people around you because they're the ones who will who will influence you the most, who will encourage you the most, and who will stand by you the most. And being here tonight, seeing all of you, being very encouraging of everybody else. Uh, seeing everybody else doing the same struggling shit that I'm going through and thinking, oh, thank God, they have it so much worse than I do. Uh, It does my heart good to see you guys. Um, When I was a kid, I wanted to be an engineer for a long time. Uh, And in sophomore year of high school is when I realized I didn't want to be an engineer because I didn't know anything about engineering. Uh, And we were getting pretty close to that time where I should have decided I should do math more, but I wasn't. Uh, 
so I told my dad, who was a chef, that, uh, Dad, I'm not going to be an engineer anymore. And he said, oh, that's fine. You know, people change their minds. What do you think you want to do now? And I said, I don't know. I thought maybe I could be a chef like you. And he said, he looked at me with, very, with the most sincerity I've ever seen my dad look at a person and say, you don't want to be a chef, son. The culinary industry sucks. It's so high pressure. It's so high maintenance. It seems glamorous, but hardly anyone makes it. You want to be anything else but a chef. And I said, all right. Uh, then I think I want to act. And he said, I do know a couple people at Johnson & Wales, though, know a couple of scholarships and stuff. That's my story. I'm Ben Apotero, guys. God bless. Thanks, dude. That was awesome. Thanks to the new folks for sharing tonight. That's what keeps us going. And, I mean, all the old blood, too. We love you all. We love you, too, Eric. Aww. Not you, Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. Coming up next, we have uh, one of the chairs of Chicago Loot Drop, which is a great charity organization in the city. I'm sure he's going to tell you about their big fundraiser for the year, and also he's going to share a story. Story. Also, he's super jacked, guys. Just I, I noticed this last time I saw him. Don't start shit with him. Is what I'm saying. Mike Chuck Bretzler. Mike Chuck has come back to your stories. How are everybody doing tonight? I don't really have a story uh, as much as I have a love letter to something that has a profound effect on my life, um, and that is pro wrestling. (laughs) Of all of my interests, pro wrestling is probably what gets me the most excited, and I get excited about a lot of things. Um, at its best, there is nothing better, there is no better form of pure entertainment. And while it's mostly actually crap, the wait for when it's spectacular is totally worth it. Uh, one of the things I love about it is that it is me at my least cynical. Um, because you have to be. To enjoy it and get into it, you have to suspend your disbelief and pretend that what you're watching is more sport than it is theater. Um, otherwise, how else could Hulk Hogan, or anyone for that matter, ever legitimately defeat Andre the Giant in a fight. <laughs> uh, and that includes the Dread Pirate Roberts. Roberts. Um, on the other hand, it's also me at like my most catty and bitchy, because it's really bad a lot of the time. And so there's, that. There's, the, there's the flip side to it. So I watched it a bit as a kid. I know a lot of people watched it as a kid. Um, and then I got back into it in the 90s in high school with the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin in Austin 316. Well done. (laughs) Uh, The difference here is at this point in high school, I was full-on nerd. And you all know how nerds can be when they like something. Um, As Mr. Crotwell Crotwell has once said, uh, we don't like better things, but we are better at liking things. Um, Which I mostly agree with, but I still think of a lot of things are just plain better. But... uh, (laughs) So I was obsessed with it in high school and have a lot of fond memories associated with pro wrestling during that time. Um, squeezing everyone into my tiny bedroom to watch Raw on my TV and Nitro on my computer because of the Monday Night Wars. Um, while we're all trying to pay attention to our calculus homework at the same time. Um, spending more time in the character creators for um, THQ's wrestling games on Nintendo 64. Um, and then playing 20, 30, 40 minute epic 
crowd drawing matches with a friend of mine uh, where both of us had mastered the spirit and reversal systems that were all throughout these games. Um, my senior year, torturing freshmen with uh, random torture racks, four-leaf clovers, frog splashes, people's elbows. And those last two are a bit ridiculous because no one's holding them there on the ground. They could just leave. <laughs> Um, instead, they stay there as I climb up onto something tall and jump down on upon them, as a good freshman should. Um, so, known as a pro wrestling guy, and as graduation's coming up, we all get that question, like, what are you going to do? Uh, and so, the real answer was I wanted to make video games, and I was going to go study computer science. But the real answer was I wanted to be a pro wrestling announcer. Um, because as a scrawny teenager fully committed to being a nerd and therefore anti-anything athletic, that I would ever be fit enough to be a wrestler was hilarious. But I had a big mouth. And like any self-respecting nerd, I knew way more about the subject that I was passionate about than was necessary. Um, so it seemed like a real other option. Except that it wasn't. Um, unlike several people here who have had the courage to pack up all their belongings, move to Chicago, even though they have no place to live, no place to work, um, to pursue their dreams, hey, I can never do that. Um, so I went to college and studied computer science, uh, pursuing a career in programming, except, funny enough, uh, my college had an annual fundraiser called TCW, Tiger Championship Wrestling where we rented a ring and had a night of backyard wrestling as a school-sanctioned event in the same room where we had chapel. (laughs) Hallelujah. So lacking any sort of physical strength, I uh, focused on my first two years on some of my other so-called strengths. Um, I could take a beating, so I got the crap kicked out of me. I was tiny, so you could just toss me around. I was fairly acrobatic slash stupid, so I could do some cool high-flying, high-risk moves. Um, and I have a thick skull, so you could crack me in the head with a steel folding chair eight times in, the row, in a row, and I will walk away unfazed and smiling. True story, so I'm told. <laughs> but I wanted to be able to do more than that. I wanted to expand my moveset my junior year, and that required getting strong. And nerds, we don't really passively engage with our interests. Um, it's not enough to just watch a movie or read a comic. We're very active with the things we love, and we're very participatory. So we'll spend days, uh, weeks, months, maybe making a costume for a con. Maybe nobody even gets the costume, and maybe you're uncomfortable all weekend, but we do it because these are the things we love. In this case, my body was my costume. And my love and obsession over this very silly sport... Um, drove me to completely and painfully dedicating months and years, changing my life and my body, going from 135 pounds of skin and bones to putting on 50 pounds. Most of that weight gain was muscle, though some of it was probably other things. Damn, that's good. So my last two matches... So my last two matches, I was able to do moves that I never thought I'd be able to do. Lifting, holding, and suspending fully grown men above my head. Though sometimes the classics are best. 
And in my last match, I Superman dove through the ropes into the metal guardrails outside the ring. Oh. It was an adrenaline, adrenaline rush like you'd not believe. So I'm told. <laughs> At the tail end of college, with the busyness of graduating, I fell away from pro wrestling, and really just TV in general. Uh, but almost 10, year later, 10 years later, uh, in January, I kind of got back into it. At first, just dipping my toe in with Royal Rumble, my favorite pay-per-view, thinking, I'll just watch the big ones, because I don't want to get obsessed again. Uh, went a little bit overboard last time. Uh, and I have the laundry list of injuries to prove it, including a fractured elbow that I never got checked out until it was too late. Um, and then I found out my neighbors watch uh, Raw every Monday and all the pay-per-views. So I am back. <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, and it's made me aware of CM Punk, <laughs> who I have actually met in person and for a guy whose job it is to be big and muscular, he's not a lot bigger than me. A guy whose job it is to sit at a desk and program all day. So maybe if you reverse the clock a little bit, uh, maybe I did have other options. If you smell low, what Mike Chuck is not cooking. I really don't know my way around the kitchen. <laughs> Awesome. Did, did you meet him at Challengers, Mike Chuck? Hmm? Did you meet him at Challengers? Because dude just shops at Challengers, like, which is a super great comic store in the city. I mean, if you're not going to go to Pastimes, you should probably go to Pastimes. <laughs> <laughs> he also, like, he's, I've seen him on Twitter recommending people read Gotham Central, which, like, one of the best comics I've ever read. It's yeah. so, so good. Police procedural, where sometimes Batman shows up. Like, if that doesn't sound awesome, get out. No, I'm kidding. I love you all. Uh, we have one story left, and then we're going to close out with a song from the Nerdalogs, Claire Friedman. Hey guys, I am just going to sing Rebel Yell again. Side, yeah, oh, good. Uh, side note to that, it wasn't literally until I started coming to your stories, I think it was the first or second your stories, that I discovered that it is like a nerd dude thing to be obsessed with pro wrestling. <laughs> I swear to God, I did not know that that was the demographic who was watching it. Um, anyway, so uh, I was going to reprise my uh, monologue from our last show, but I've decided instead to, to kind of take uh, inspiration from what people have said here and, and kind of retell my uh, hero story, as it were. Um, hero is far too generous of a term. But... Uh, so the the way I kind of think about um, how my path in terms of options has gone, um, there was a big dividing point uh, when I, I started to make some some big choices for myself. Um, to fast forward a little bit, when I was a when I was a senior in college, I was an ACT SAT tutor for um, kids, and and since I was in art school at the time, I would uh, tell a lot of these kids uh, the point of getting a high score is not to make it so that you can go to the best school in the whole wide world. The point of getting a high score is to give yourself options. So if you want to go to that school, and if you want to have that degree program, you can. If you want to be like me and go to a school that uh, has an average ACT score that is 11 points lower than yours, you can do that. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, and sometimes they'll give you a scholarship for it, and that's cool. Um, not that much because they really don't care how smart you are. Uh, they really don't. And that took a lot 
to to get through my thick skull is uh, one of the big limits I had towards getting myself to go to art school eventually um, was that people wouldn't think, oh, that girl is smart uh, because people who go to art school aren't smart. And so I kept myself from doing it until I was a junior in college. And when I called up my parents and I said, hey, you know what, I'm I'm going to switch my majors instead of being his, uh, double major in his, uh, uh, marketing and history of science, I'm going to be a double major in marketing and art. And my dad said, thank God I didn't know what you were going to do with history of science. <laughs> <laughs> So there's one one foot towards the door of practicality. Um, but both my parents are MBAs, and so one of the things that I needed to do before I went to art school was sit down with them and talk through exactly how I was going to make this into a career. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to go into the School of the Art Institute of Chicago is because their internship program is really great. And so my whole last two years of college were focused entirely on how am I going to get a job once I get out. And uh, as I was sitting here listening to all these stories, I remembered that um, I quit my last job, and so now I can talk about it. So it didn't go that well. Uh, at, the, at first, it was super, it was super, super swell, uh, just, just dandy. I was a project manager at a really small digital firm, so I had my hand in a lot of different things, um, which means that I got, at a very, very young age, uh, and very early on in my career, I got to try and do a lot of different things in the digital sphere, project management, marketing, uh, you know, strategy, AdWords. I got to write a children's book for the Lincoln Park Zoo. That was baller. Um, but the other thing that happens when you're at a company that's six people is when shit hits the fan, everyone hates everybody else immediately. And you wind up working until 10 o'clock at night and then getting up and getting there at 6 a.m. the next day and just really, uh, committing yourself to people who aren't making you feel good about anything. And, and for a lot of that, the thing that would keep me going was the creative pursuits, uh, that I would do at night, including the nerdologues and, and improv and, and everything else, and I started taking classes, uh, post-grad classes at the School of the Art Institute where I graduated in web design, and and basically just trying trying to max out my skill set because I went back and I when I was looking at and reconsidering things, I realized the point of of working and all day and then going and doing more at night is not necessarily to get to any clear goal that I have. Uh, Steve and I were just talking about all the awesome consulting things that we could possibly do that we could think of, which is really exciting. Yeah, you guys, consultancy scrum. We could make so much money. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but the point is not necessarily to get to some goal that I have in mind. I don't know what I'm building towards, but I know that by that by working and partnering up with good people and leaving my house and occasionally eating dinner that isn't cereal in bed, uh, <laughs> which I have like at least four times a week, uh, I'm a cool person. <laughs> the, the point the point of getting out and doing all that isn't isn't to achieve some goal, but it's it's to give myself options. And it's to to uh, not necessarily rely on what I relied on, on my, at my last job, which was, of course, you know, getting randomly called to audition and eventually making it on a Second City uh, uh, Tourco boat 
so that I could just go to the Caribbean for four months and work in a design portfolio, come back, get a job immediately, or fly off to Dublin for a month, lock myself in a cabin and not talk to anybody, which was another plan I had, and I looked at flights. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of those plans led me to the question of what am I actually running from? Um, And I basically put together, and that was uh, in this big run of events that started earlier this year, uh, where I started on antidepressants, and I quit my job, and I found a new one, and uh, Nerdalog started doing this crazy monthly show schedule, which kept me working all the time, and and has made us put out some of the best work we ever have, Um, and, and basically... The reason that we work so hard as a group and the reason that I work so hard and a lot of people here work so hard is to give ourselves options so that once the opportunity comes along, we can take it. My plans while I was in college, before the comic store came up, was I was going to move to Minneapolis <laughs> and find a job. Uh, reviewing movies for a small newspaper and gambling at Canterbury Card Club on the weekend. <laughs> All things considered, it's probably better that I opened that comic store in Lansing, Illinois. Uh, so you guys, this is our final song of the night. Aww. Relating to... Yeah, I know. Relating to... Uh, it came up that there is a particular, particular person who left... Her, her music group and was able to achieve greatness. And if you watch her Eat Really Hollywood Story, you'll understand that she's the greatest musician of our generation. Nay, if we got to elect a queen of the United States, meaning someone who would be a figurehead uh, person whose wedding and childbirths we would celebrate as a country together. It would be this person. And if I ever met her, I would kill myself the next day because that's the highest I can get. I think Claire might love Beyonce like I love Bruce Springsteen. That's very possible. Um, so she's so wonderful. Go with us on this. This is kind of a her Tumblr is entirely just pictures she posts of herself, and it's amazing. This is kind of a thing we're trying. I like to imagine it like two performers are both just out of a long, tumultuous relationship, and they meet in the club one night, and one is trying to convince the other to uh, to make it work. So that that's my story behind what we're about to do. I don't know if that makes any sense, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> all right. Like thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you said. All the single ladies, 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 now put your hands up.
www.nerdalogs.com Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.